thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome to AnchorCast. Uh, we try to do different things every now and then, and uh, we try to switch it up from the regular episodes. And this week, we wanted to bring you something different to the podcast. Um, a few months back on Tuesday night at Anchor, we did a testimony night. And I don't know exactly what we expected, but God just seemed to blow the doors uh, wide open. And we heard some um, amazing stories, um, one of them being from Sierra Hargis, who is joining us today. Say hi, Sierra. Hey guys, I'm happy to be here. Uh, and I've had the privilege of knowing Sierra for some time now, and she's currently on the leadership team of Anchor Nights. And uh, Sierra, for those of you, uh, for those of us that don't know you, uh, tell us a little about uh, yourself. Well, my name's Sierra, obviously, and I'm 20 years old, and I've been coming to Anchor for, I think, consistently, not even a year yet, but I feel like I've been there my whole life. Yeah, it feels uh, like a long time. It does. It feel, feels like a lot longer. Yeah, it, I think it's not even a year until September. So oh wow! It's okay, like almost there. Um, but I grew up in the church, and my grandpa's a pastor, and so I kind of always grew up knowing what's going on. And I ride horses, and I barrel race, and I'm going pro this year. So we'll see how that happens. Going pro? When going did you start uh, barrel racing? I started barrel racing when I was 12. Been riding since I was five, though, and so finally it's happening. <laughs> did you? Has that always been a dream that you wanted to do it professionally? Yeah, I saw my first rodeo when I was five, and ever since then, it's been the same goal. Wow. I'm lucky enough to know what I want to do my whole life. <laughs> That's awesome, and you yeah. want to make that like your career. You want to it's, be number one. I want to be number one, rookie of the year. Here wow. I come. <laughs> hey, hey, yo! Yeah. Be on the lookout for any of you that like barrel racing. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how did you get involved with that uh, anchor? Um, so I was, you know, going through a rut in life. I was just kind of in a bad place and my sister got really involved and she was on the leadership team and, you know, she has her own story, but like seeing the way that her life turned around, just getting involved in anchor, it was very intriguing to me because I knew I didn't like where I was at and seeing like, well, if anchor can change my sister, it could change me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I came a couple times inconsistently and then, you know, decided to make a big change in my life and I haven't missed a Tuesday in a very long time. <laughs> wow. that's all. And you attend Cross City on the weekends as well, right? I do. I uh, had to make the tough decision to leave my grandpa's church because Cross City is too amazing to miss. <laughs> How did you feel about that? Um, he was not thrilled, but he's just happy I'm in church. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Sometimes uh, sometimes it'd be like that. Right? Yeah. But at least, uh, I'm sure in his, his mind, at least you're plugged in somewhere, right? Exactly. That's and awesome. he likes Cross City, so he approves. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, on that testimony night a few months ago, mm-hmm. I mean, you shared your testimony and there, there, was, there was a lot of amazing, um, a lot of amazing stories shared that night, but um, I just wanted to, uh, for those of us that, that weren't there or those of us that like want to um, hear it again, we'd love to kind of hear your story. So what what has kind of brought you to God, to Jesus? I know that you grew up, you said you grew up, you have a church background, you have, um, you know, your, your grandpa's a pastor and all that. Um, but I think for most of us, there comes a time where our faith becomes our own mm-hmm. and it no longer becomes, uh, it's no longer our grandparents, it's no longer our parents, but it becomes our own faith. So what was that journey like for you? Where you decided that um, following Jesus is something that you wanted to do and where did you see kind of life change happen um, in your life? 
Yeah, you know, there's a lot of um, pivotal moments that everybody goes through. Um, for me, you know, like I said, I grew up in the church. I know who God is. I've always known who God is. But, like, it's the relationship part that never connected. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it'd be my mom. My parents are divorced. So, you know, I'd be at my mom's house one weekend and she doesn't go to church. Mm-hmm. And then the next weekend, you know, my grandparents would pull us to church. And it was kind of like a but we don't want to go to church. We don't have to do it with mom, you know? Um, mm. So when I was younger, my parents were married and um, they had us very young. My mom was 18 when she had my older sister, 20 when they had me, 22 when they had my little sister. And then when I was three, they got a divorce. Um, and for me, like the divorce was just obviously my mom's fault. Like no way it was my dad's fault. It just <laughs> was not even in the picture for me um, because he was my dad. Like I was daddy's girl and uh, – you know, then I grew up a little bit and I started like seeing things and noticing things about my dad that were just not adding up. You know, he's in the hospital, but he's been in the hospital for three months. What's going on with that? You know, like I have my, I have a phone now. I'm grown up. I have a phone. I can call him, but he won't answer my phone calls. It goes straight to voicemail. What's up with that? You know, and then I get to this point where I'm just like, okay, mom, like what really happened with dad? Um, And I think I was like, six and she pulled me out of school early that day to take me to ride a horse and then we went to Applebee's and I asked her so what really happened like because I don't know Mm. um and so I found out that when I was three my dad had an affair on her with a woman he met in rehab because he is an alcoholic and a drug addict Mm. and so when he'd be in the hospital for three months it was like rehab attempt number 100 or something um Mm. and so you know growing up I just it was very hard when the one man on the earth that's supposed to love you and protect you and guard your heart is mm. the one man who like abandons you and lies to you and leaves you. And that left me feeling very um, empty. It left a big void inside. And so like dad's weekend was always grandparents weekend. So my grandpa became my father figure to me for a very long time. My dad would either be on a binge or in rehab. And so, you know, it kind of just left that place where like a dad should be. And my grandpa stepped up and filled those shoes for me. And so, you know, they took me to church and I'd go to church camp in the summertime and I knew who Jesus was. And well, once you hit that like seventh grade mark, you know, everything changes now. You got all these fresh hormones coming in. You got friends leaving <laughs> you. You have to make new friends. Yeah. And for me, I was like that awkward kid that sat outside at lunch and read a book because mm-hmm. I'm not good at making friends. And so I kind of hit this place where my dad is gone. I want to forgive him, but mm-hmm. I can't. He keeps letting me down. Mm-hmm. I have no friends. I just read books. Like, what is my life even worth at this point? Mm-hmm. Um And so seventh grade was a really dark, depressing, anxiety, hard time for me, Mm -hmm. for sure. And so I kind of just like threw myself into a dark phase. I didn't think to lean on anybody. I don't like to share my emotions. I've always been like the like hard rock of my family, like Mm -hmm. the one of us to actually have it together. Like that is me. But on the inside, you know, I was torn apart. Like At least on the outside, have it together. Exactly. On the outside, everyone thought I I had it going on. You know, (laughs) I had my horses, I Mm -hmm. had my goals, whatever. But like on the inside, I was just so hurt and so Mm -hmm. depressed and had so many emotions that I just didn't know how to communicate with people. Ultimately, it took a pretty um, 
hard fall. You know, I'd be around people and I had that smile. And then as soon as I was away from people, it would just be tears. I mean, crying for hours, sitting in front of the mirror, playing sad music. Like, why am I even upset? I don't even know what I have to be upset about. Um, so it got to a point where I'd do some pretty stupid things like um, – go out at 12 o'clock at night, sneak out and run my horse down a dark trail. Like who knows what's going to happen out there, but we're going to go do it because I have nothing better to do with myself but cry. And so I remember maybe I was 13 or 14 at the time. I would go out and I was sitting in my room and I was just at this low, the lowest I'd ever been. And I took my horse out and I sat him in the corner and I just cried and I was like, okay, God, like, if this is all you have for me in this life, like, just don't let me wake up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to, like, physically hurt myself. Mm -hmm. But, like, if heaven's so great, why would I want to stay here? Mm -hmm. Like, I've got nothing going. I'm just sad and I cry. And my dad's gone. And I just don't know what to do. I was like, God, just don't, don't allow that. To, just don't make me keep living this. Well, the next day I woke up <laughs> and for some reason, like a connection happened that morning where it was like, okay, if I'm waking up after praying that prayer and being so low and I'm waking up today is because God wants me to wake up mm. for a reason. And so I decided to start reading my Bible, which I had never gotten into that practice before. Um, so I started to read it and then I started kind of just watching a lot of like motivational videos on YouTube. Mm. Like it didn't matter what I was doing. I was going to mm -hmm. be watching this motivational video to make like, how can I get my life to where I want it? And it's amazing looking back now because like the whole time God was providing, like I was so sad and depressed, but the whole time I had horses. Mm. Like when I was eight, my grandpa decided to pick us up and move us so that I could have a horse. And, um, so just looking back, like God was setting everything up mm. the way it was supposed to be, even though I couldn't see it then. Um, and so as I grew and I grew and I grew and I got older and I did more with my horses and I started to uh, increase in my talents and started to race more often, you know, I just, I was living for God. Um, mm. And once I hit 17, like an even bigger shift happened, I like, things about God started to connect in my brain. Like, okay, it's about the relationship and it's about totally living my life to glorify him um, because I was never doing that before. It was always like halfway mm. with God. Like I'm going to be halfway with him and things just wouldn't work out. You know, I'd make my own plans, you know, try and do things at my fast pace mm. speed because mm -hmm. I don't like to wait for anything. I'm not patient. Like I plan something and I want it now. Um, but nothing would ever work out like that. You know, it's just not the way life is. Mm -hmm. God's got his own timeline and we just have to kind of sit and wait for that to happen. And so once I hit 17, I was just, I was on fire for Jesus. I mean, it was a level that I'd never, ever, ever been before. And I would watch like sermons on YouTube and different podcasts and everything that I needed. And I was watching all these motivation videos and I was just so pumped full of life. And like, I knew where I came from and I knew where I was headed and I knew what goals I had. And I just wanted to share that with people. And so that's when I like developed like a love for public speaking. Like I want to talk to teenage girls so bad about Jesus. Like that is a target audience for me for the future forever. Mm. Like I want to talk to teenage girls in high school that are just going through it it's a mm. hard life I yeah. mean it's a hard life to grow up in this world mm. just like not knowing our worth because mm -hmm. there's God gives us so much worth he is everything everything that we could possibly imagine 
Um, and so as I'm like on fire for Jesus, now I turn 18, then I met a guy, then it all crashed. (laughs) 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 You know, you're like in this relationship with Jesus and then you have to bring a guy in the mix and it's like balancing the two, you know, Mm -hmm. balancing the two was difficult. Um, well, I threw Jesus on the back burner. I feel like um, a lot of us go through that. Like one minute we're on fire, the next minute, you know, you can just wait over there until I need you. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, that, yeah, no, sometimes, yeah, guy comes into life and you, you know, you put, you put God on the back burner, mm-hmm. significant other, it happens with guys too. Mm-hmm. They'll get a girlfriend, they're doing great in their walk with God and all of a sudden, the significant other comes in, takes up all their time, and then God just kind of goes to the back burner. Mm-hmm. And, and you, so you, you're kind of going through I'm that. Going through it. <laughs> what, 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 yeah, what happened, what happened with that? Did, so, looking back, I just laugh at myself. I knew, what, three months in, that this relationship was not going to work out. I just knew mm-hmm. in my bones it wasn't going to work out. But, you know, it's your first, it was mm-hmm. my first boyfriend. I'd never had one before, you know. And so I was kind of at this place where, you know, it's there's like this place in your heart and you think, okay, that's where a guy goes to fill mm. your heart. No, that's where God goes to fill your heart mm. and the world teaches us that you need a man to do that. Um, so I allowed this guy to just take up my whole life. I want you guys to know I rode my horses maybe five times in the year and a half that we dated. Wow. I stopped pursuing a relationship with God. I stopped doing anything. I gained some weight. I was not happy with myself. We would never do anything. Like, we just sat around a lot. And it just wasn't a good relationship. But for some reason, I convinced myself that, like, this was the relationship I needed to be in. Mm. Um, So we were together for a year and a half. And I woke up one day. I was so pumped. I wanted to marry this man. I wanted us to move in together. We were looking at apartments. We were doing so much. And the next day, I was dead set that I needed to leave him. It was crazy, the switch that happened. And we were still coming to church. That's the crazy part. Like, we would still come to Cross City on Sundays. And we would sit in church together. And Mm. it was just weird because I knew that he didn't really want to be there. Mm. Um, But, like, one after I woke up that day and I was like, wow this is an awful relationship. What am I doing? I like sat in church. He's sitting right next to me. I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm like, God, I think I know what I need to do, but I don't have the strength. I can't like, Mm. I can't do that to him. Like there's nothing wrong with him. He's an amazing person. We're just not good together. Mm. I'm like, I can't do that to him. I don't have the strength for this. Kid you not. The next song that came on was God is my strength and my rock and my cornerstone. And I was like, God, you're good. <laughs> and like, um, I think it took me about a month, but a month mm. later, I finally was just like, no, this is done. Totally blindsided him. He was crushed. Um, but it was the best thing I ever could have done. Mm. And then, you know, once you break up with someone you've been with a long time, and now it's time to decide, okay, who am I going to be without said mm. person? Mm-hmm. Am I going to throw myself into church and God and putting my life on track or am I going to throw myself the other way and like, you know, date a bunch of guys to make myself feel better. Mm. Um, and I kind of was struggling for a second between the two, but then I was told to join rooted 
And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. And Rooted, for anyone who doesn't know, is amazing. I'm a huge Rooted ambassador. Mm-hmm. Ten week discipleship, just mm-hmm. do it because you'll love it. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what, that's what Rooted is. It's like a ten week discipleship yeah. kind of program. In a lot of ways, kind of gets you back to the basics of your faith, but mm-hmm. um, but in a deep way. That's like doesn't seem. It's not like surface level basics. It's mm-hmm. like the basics and like deeper and beyond. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I've I went through Rooted. And you've gone through it, and rooted. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a it's a big change even for like people who have been Christians for years and years and mm-hmm. years. Kind of going through rooted is is a, a um, kind of a an eye opener, a refresher mm-hmm. in Makes some ways. Makes you be honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so and so uh, rooted uh, kind of helped you kind of in this transition yeah. time where you're like, hey, I can go one of two ways here. Really, kind of you feel like it helped put you on it the right totally track. It totally pushed me to one side and mm. ever since I mean I can't say I'm always on fire for Jesus it's something that you have to work at mm. but I mean coming out of rooted I had friendships that you know I mm. said before I struggle with making friends mm. but I built so many friendships through that and doing rooted you know it got me in touch with God again which was something that I had lost so completely lost and so having that connection back and that relationship back really brought hope into Mm. my life and clarity. And I want you guys to know that in this process, I drastically changed my life in a matter of two months. Mm. Left my boyfriend, dropped out of school, and like done. Like I made crazy life-altering decisions (laughs) really fast. I like showed up at Anchor or at Rooted one week and I said, I think I need to drop out of school. And they're like, what? And I was like, I just think it's holding me back from my career Mm. like it's holding me back right now the next week I showed up and said guys I dropped all my classes (laughs) and I didn't even tell my parents about it (laughs) um and so I went through a crazy like swing of everything's changing I don't know what I'm gonna do this is crazy fast forward and I'm just praying a lot and I'm just talking I'm talking to people which is something I never did before asking for advice and guidance and like okay how am I gonna get through this what am I doing moving forward um And then I was like, okay, I did high school online. I could very easily do college online. I'm very self-motivated and disciplined. I can do this. So I did a lot of research, joined Fresno Pacific Online College, and uh, bought a new horse, two new horses, and then got a third as a bonus because I got paid to start training a horse. I'm like, wow, God is providing. Yeah, two new horses, a bonus horse. I'm like, okay, what is even happening? Mm. And then all of a sudden I got my dream job. I got offered wow. a full-time like ranch handing position. At a, I was like, "Wow, God! Incredible! It's like, yeah. God, you're crazy! What's going on?" Yeah. <laughs> like uh, you, you said that you felt like for a time you were like almost like kind of trusting God like halfway, yeah. like not not fully. Mm-hmm. And and the, part of the problem is like we we want to only trust God kind of halfway. We're we're kind of hesitant, but we want Him to um, provide. All we the want way. Him to work full <laughs> yeah. way. When we're only trusting halfway. Yeah. And then and you made a huge change. You mm-hmm. basically changed your life yeah. in, in a sense. You yeah. you did all this stuff and you in that time were trusting God. Yeah, there was way. nothing else I could do because yeah. if you ever seen that picture where it's like, God, I can't jump and the guy's on the side of a cliff and then you scroll down a little bit and like he jumped and there was a step right below the cliff but mm. he couldn't see it because of the clouds. Mm. And I'm like... I did that. Like yeah. I dropped out of school yeah. with no plan to recover. Yeah. And God's like, okay, I'll catch you. And that's all he wants us to do mm. is jump. Mm. 
Yeah. There, there's a hidden step there. We just can't see it. Take that leap. He's going to catch yeah. you. It's he like, wants uh, the faith. You know, like kids. When kids, they... They like stand stand at the edge of the bed, and mm-hmm. then like when you when like, your dad is like right there, like mm-hmm. ready to catch you, like you jump, knowing that your dad is gonna catch you. And they still stand there and say, "But I'm scared." Mm-hmm. But dad is and not dad's moving. Like, hey, I'm yeah. gonna catch you. I'm gonna catch you. So sometimes, like, the, like you know, actually a lot of times, mm-hmm. most times, God just crying like, "Hey, just trust me." Mm-hmm. And then and then we get to look back and see, like, wow, I should have trusted you this whole time, right? Because of what we see God do. Yeah, you know? God's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But get this. I get this new dream job and I worked there for two months and then I quit. <laughs> you quit. I quit. You quit your dream I job. I quit my dream job. Why did you job? quit your dream job? <laughs> what happened there? It took me away from church. Mm. I had, like, if I wanted to keep this job, I was going to have to stop going Mm. to anchor it was in lamore and they wanted me to move there Mm. and they wanted me to stop driving back to clovis to go to anchor because i'd have to work until seven o'clock at night and i worked there for two months and i said um i miss god and anchor and my friends this isn't gonna work and like this is my dream job but i don't think i need to be here right now and so i quit my dream job wow and everyone was like you did what Yeah, but you know what? God still provides another one in Clovis, not nearly as high pay or hours or whatever, but I got hooked up with a trainer in Clovis Mm -hmm. two days a week. I work for her, and I still have another job that provides me with my income, Mm. and um, I kept coming to church. I love church, and church is amazing. I'm able to stay on my leadership team, which is a place that I love to be, and I want you guys to know that God 100% provides. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, mm. which means you need to first find your joy in God and then he will provide. Mm. People forget that part. They mm. just think he's going to provide. That's what it says. But no, delight means find your joy in God. Mm. And so I thought I would find my joy in this job, but mm. I didn't. So I came back to church, and this is where my joy really is, is in that pursuit of that relationship. Wow. Um, Then we're sitting in church, and David White's preaching about purpose, okay? He's like, okay, this is how you know you're not living your purpose, right? And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, yeah, that's good. It doesn't really apply to me right now, though, because I'm in a good relationship with God. Like, this is chill. I'm chilling. This is fine. And then he was like, okay, this is how you, like, find your purpose. And he starts giving these examples. He's go, you need to pursue a relationship. And I'm like, I already did that. It's fine. And he's going through this checklist of things. And the last, this whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, this if he'd said this a year ago, man, it really would have spoke to me. But for not right now. The last thing he said was, you need to take a risk. And I was sitting there and I was thinking about that one. I was like, hmm, what, what could I take a risk on right now? And I start going through this list in my head. I'm like, okay, I've always wanted to be a professional barrel racer, right? But like, here's all these reasons why I can't. And it was weird. It was like God just ripped a blindfold off my face sitting mm-hmm. in anger that night. He was just like, what are you doing? Like, none of these things matter. So I'm going through this list of all the reasons I can't do it. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I got that one handled already. Oh, I got that one handled already. Oh, oh, I just got the best horse in the entire world uh, nine months ago. <laughs> and we're kicking some serious butt right now in the competition. And I was like, wow, 
I could do this. And I made the decision that night that I was going to go pro next year. And so to me, that was, I stayed faithful Mm -hmm. to God and I saw something pulling me away. And it was something that I wanted so badly, but I said no. And I came back and I feel like this was God providing. It was God saying, you know what? You stayed faithful. You stayed true. You find your joy in me. This is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Go and do it. And so I made the decision that night, like 2020, here we come. Wow. Was professional (laughs) barrel racing something you wouldn't have been able to do if you kept that other handler dream job? Mm -hmm. Like that would have taken your time. That job was six days a week, like 10 hours a day, exhausting. (laughs) So if I had done that, I would have become an amazing horseman. I mean, mm-hmm. no doubt I would have learned so much, but I would not have been able to compete at the level that I want to. Mm. Um, it actually would have made me stop competing altogether, wow. even as much as I am right now, like two jackpots wow. a week. Like I wouldn't have even, yeah. I had to stop riding my own horses because I was there riding their horses. So, I mean, by leaving that job, like, yeah, it stinks, but you know, there's so much more that God has to offer in my yeah. life than that. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. So it's like a, it was a, the God was doing like a, hey, do you trust me? And yeah. you're like, yes. And then he like kind of gives you this job, but in a way he's like still, it was still like a, do you trust me? It was still a, do yeah. you trust me? Yeah. And, and then doing the switch up, like you, the more you trusted God, the more he like, yeah. revealed how much he actually did have. It was amazing. God's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now where I'm at, I'm just coming off a trip. We're going to talk about in a minute. Oh, that India. <laughs> yes, you just did a mission trip to India. Yeah. Yes. Now, um, actually, let's let's talk about that right now. Go for so it. So I mean, your faith has just entirely expanded in the time that you've just said yes to Jesus in all areas. And um, our missions team um, here at Cross City just went to uh, India um, this last month. You just got back, actually, on August 5th. Mm-hmm. Um, and was this your first mission trip? Yes. And t- tell us about that. Did you... Okay, so what made you go? <laughs> and then, like, tell us about the experience. So, again, my life has radically changed in a year time. I mean... Everything's different now. So a bunch of my friends that I met in Rooted, you know, February rolls around. I have this dream job and I want to go to India. And I was thinking, I, was like, I can't go to India if I'm working this job because competition season's in the summer. So that was another, like, factor. Mm. Um, and all my all my girlfriends were like, we want to go, Sierra. Will you go with us? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And that night I just filled out the application and I was like, okay, this is happening. Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to lie. This was the hardest trip of my life. Um, it was not easy the whole time I start, you know, I decide I'm going to go sent out my letters to start raising $3,000 for this trip, you know? And that's a big deal. Just getting the money. Getting $3,000 is not easy yeah, for yeah. a college student who just quit their job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to raise this money and I'm going to tell you something else. My mom was not happy when I told her I'm going to India. Um, Her and my stepdad did not help financially on any level, Mm. but that's okay. You know, they didn't want me to go and I understand why it's not the safest place to be for Mm -hmm. a Christian. Um, But I was like, no, I know this is a trip that I need to do. Like Mm. not just because my friends told me I should go, but because like God wanted 
I needed this for my heart. Mm. I just knew I needed it for my heart. And so we start raising money. And that was so hard, raising that money. I mean, uh, some people had all the money they needed in a month. Mm. And I struggled to the very last day. I was wow. posting on Facebook. I was posting on Instagram, posting on Snapchat, like PayPal, yeah. Cash App, send me the money. I need it. <laughs> Help me. Like every single day, finally, the day we needed all the money. If we didn't have it that day, we couldn't go. Oh, wow. Like an anonymous person gave me like 300 bucks and I made it to the three wow. limit. And I'm like, wow, go God. That, yeah. <laughs> Thank no, you. that's Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. And so now I'm like, okay, I have the money. Now what? So my family, every summer we go to Mexico for a couple weeks. So I have this trip to Mexico and then I'm going to be home for two weeks and then I'm going to go to India for two more weeks. I have four horses at home that need to be taken care yeah. of. Um, so I started getting a lot of anxiety surrounding this trip. And I was just like, why am I freaking out? Like, this is a trip I've been waiting for for so long. And again, my family's still not totally on board with this mm -hmm. trip. They're still not happy I'm going. Every time I leave the house, they go, please don't die in India. Like, that was my, like, send-off. Oh, wow. Uh, it was intense. And so... Um, so I go to Mexico for two weeks, left my dad in charge of my horses, all jazzed up. My horse has been performing so well. Can't wait to get home. You know, she's getting two weeks off. I don't really like that for her muscles, but mm. it'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and I was planning on sending her to a spa while I was in India mm -hmm. so that she could stay in shape. Um, a horse yes, spa? A horse spa. That's actual thing. Yes. And they like take them swimming and let them stand on like this equi vibrator thing that like sends massages oh, up wow. there. I mean, it's legit. I suddenly want legit. to be a horse. That sounds It's super great. nice. Um, so I was going to send her there while I was in India so mm -hmm. she could like be in shape and ready for me when I got mm. home. So I get home from Mexico and she is injured. And I was like, no way. What happened? So my dad just, I don't know what happened. My dad didn't do anything. He just didn't tell me and it made me sad. Um, but she had this crazy bald spot on her hip. And then there was this fungus that went all the way up. It was crazy. So I couldn't ride her Oh wow! for the two weeks that I'm home. I'm like, so now you have a month off. That's really not yeah. good for your muscle. And now she can't go to the spa because she has an open wound. Oh, wow. <laughs> sad. So now you get a month and a half off. That's really not good for the yeah. muscle. Um, so then... I've got all this anxiety surrounding this trip. And I went to a Bible study when I got back from Mexico. Mm. And I had a crazy amount of anxiety about leaving my horse. Like, I was supposed to be able to ride her. And now I can't. Mm. Now we're going to be behind. We have this big competition in and September. And again, this is your future. This is what this is, you are. Yeah. You were your career Yeah. And preparing. so yeah. I was like freaking. I was like, I have a. I have a rodeo in September. I need to get ready for. She's hurt. She's losing muscle. I don't know what I'm going to do. I sat down in Bible study with my friends. And lights went off. I was like, okay. I was not focusing on this trip at all. I was 100% focused on my horse and what I'm going to do in the future and getting mm. totally wrapped up in that and totally away from God in this trip mm. and what I should really be preparing my heart for. So I kind of chalked it up to this. My horse needed to be injured so that my mindset could shift to India. Because though she was injured, yes, it really stinks. But that needed to happen or I was not going to be focusing on preparing myself, mm. my heart, and my mind for this trip to India. Mm. And sitting in my Bible study and talking this through with my friends, like that light bulb kind of went off. And so I was able to totally start prayer time, Bible time, getting in tone with God, 
preparing my heart for this mm. amazing trip I'm about to go on. Mm. So now it's time to go to India and we go and we get there and the flights were long and it was amazing, but it was, it was amazing still friends, family, everything. And so we get to India and then on Friday we make it to our final destination in Demo. So we get to hang out with the Mercy Home kids and just playing and singing and dancing. And it was amazing. Sunday we go to church we go to like the sing song and we do a dance on stage in front of like 500 kids. And the way that kids, yeah, the way that kids worship in India, like if I could raise a kid to worship as hard as they do, I've succeeded in life. Wow. I mean, they just scream and I'm pretty sure that they shook the building like more than kids do at VBS. I wow. mean, their excitement level is sky high. Wow. I want to worship like the kids do in India. Um, so we're, we get on the stage and, you know, they all love us. We're like a bunch of awesome white people that are here to love them. <laughs> <laughs> and they just are like so excited. So we all get on stage to perform a dance that we made for them, which by the way, doesn't even live up to their dances. We've got this song that we here think is exciting and yeah. worshipful, but for them, their songs are like screaming lyrics and jumping up and down. So we get on stage and all these kids just erupt. So excited to watch us. And so we perform, and it was super fun. And then we line up outside the doors and shook hands with all 500 of these kids. Wow. It was so amazing. They were all so sweet, so excited to see us. And then we go to church, which, by the way, church in India is awesome. I mean, you, would, you would think that they would be a little bit more hidden because— you know, Christianity is kind of frowned upon. It's not popular in India. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? When they switch. Convert. There you go. Convert. You're not supposed to convert. It's mm. illegal to do that. Mm. But their church was so open. And so like you grow up and you hear about, you know, church shootings or bombings or yeah. things. And, and it's like, wow, that's horrible. But now you're in this situation. You're in a foreign country, in a church that, like, everyone knows about. It literally says Christian across, like, the top of the building. Wow. And it was beautiful. I mean, they had a baptismal up front. There were hundreds of people in the building. And it was like, even though, like, we have this perception here that it's going to be this hidden, sketchy, like, hopefully we don't get caught kind of thing. Yeah. It was so inviting and normal and it felt good mm. i mean good vibes all the way around so i'm sitting there and then he starts singing hallelujah so we're all standing up singing hallelujah and with the flick of the finger whatever you want to call it i got sick i knew i was running a fever in the middle of church oh snap like my body felt like if someone poked me i was gonna shatter wow I mean, just that fast. Like one minute I'm singing, the next minute I'm clutching the chair in front of me, like hoping I don't fall down. Oh, wow. So crazy how fast that shift happened. And so I'm standing there and then we sit down and I'm trying to, we have to wear scarves. Yeah. So I'm trying to cover my whole body with this scarf yeah. that's see-through. So it's not doing much. Yeah. And I have to make it through the rest of the service. And then after service, we get in the bus to go back to the home that we're staying in. And my friend was like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm sick. And so then we had a nurse, Janet, who came on the trip with us. She goes, what's wrong? I go, I know I'm running a fever. I said, my stomach doesn't hurt. Nothing hurts. But I am running a fever. I know my body. And so she like felt whatever. We didn't have a thermometer. She goes, no, you're definitely running a fever. And I was like, great. So I'm just going to, I'm thinking at this point, you know, nothing hurts. I don't feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm just running a fever. 
Like, okay, I'd take a nap and I'll be all better after my nap. I slept for two hours, woke up. My friend Cheyenne comes in the room. She goes, hey, we're going to get henna. And I'm like, you know what? I feel better. Let's go. So I get out of bed and I go up there and this girl starts doing this henna on my arm. Uh Halfway through, I feel like I'm dying all over again. Oh, man. I was on bed rest for three days in India. Three days of the trip were in bed. We're in bed. And you had just a massive fever. A huge fever. I had diarrhea. I was throwing up. All at the same time. It was not a good experience. So let me tell you, I got super bitter. I was angry. I was like, leading up to this trip wasn't easy. This was super hard for me to even do to begin with. And now I'm going to get sick. Mm. Like, God, what are you trying to do here? I'm Mm. mad. Like, Mm -hmm. send me home. I got travel insurance. Tell them I'm dying. Put me on a plane. I don't care. I want to go. And like my friend Cheyenne was sharing a room with me and I was telling her how angry I was. But the problem was I was angry at the situation and then I was angry at myself for being angry at the situation. Mm. Like I wish I could have just been optimistic and been like, it's okay, this is all for a reason. No, I was just mad. Um, So then on Tuesday, I was still sick and I looked at everyone in the room that morning and I said, you guys, I am not going to be sick tomorrow. Like I'm done with this. This is not happening. We only have two full days left after Tuesday. Like, I've missed the whole trip. Like, what is my purpose for even being here? Mm. So I told everyone, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be sick tomorrow. And they're like, what? And I go, I'm joining the group tomorrow. It's happening. (laughs) Okay. They kind of rolled their eyes and like, I'm still dying, you know. And they leave. And Tuesday for lunch, they made me tomato soup because I can't eat anything. And I sat down for three days. I did not eat at all. Wow. Like I was defeated. My body was so weak. And so I was like, I'm not going to get better if I don't eat. So I sat down to eat this tomato soup and I ate three quarters of a bowl, which was impressive. And then my body said, nope. I took off running for the bathroom. Body rejected that soup. Oh. <laughs> and then I go, okay, I need to eat another bowl of soup. So I go and sit down and I force myself to eat a whole other bowl of soup. <laughs> Wednesday, I was 100% okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Just woke up the next day. I woke up the next day. I looked at Cheyenne. She goes, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel amazing. <laughs> Took a bucket bath because that's all we had <laughs> and put my clothes on and skipped through this room that we were all staying in. And I was jumping around saying hi to everyone because I was full energy. I mean, you'd never even know I was sick the day before. Wow. And kid you not, that day was the best day of the whole trip. So we went shopping in the market mm-hmm. and we made lunch for the staff and we heard the most amazing speaker. And then we went and we prayed. Oh, this is so fun. I got chills. Um, we went to this house, uh, about five of us did. We went to this house to pray with this girl who has epilepsy. Mm. And she also has a couple other mental disorders. Her name is Percy. She was probably 13 or 14 years old. And her uncle works for the Mercy Home. So that's mm. how we know about her. And her mom's a widow. And so all, all of us broke up and went to a couple different houses to pray with people. And so we went to visit with Percy. And we sat down. And I wasn't even sitting next to her on the couch. I was in a different chair. Other people were on the couch. And we sang some songs to them. And we pulled some scripture and got to talk about what the scripture means. And we had a translator there. And it was it was so 
good vibes all the way around us. So good. And so then we read some scripture, we sang some songs, and then we sat up to pray with her. So I moved out of my chair, went and knelt by the couch, put my hands on her, you know, prayed over her. We all did. And then she just clung to me. I mean, I was knelt by the couch with just my arm over the chair because she was wrapped around my arm. I was like, wow, she really likes me. And so then she like looks at me and she starts talking. I can't really understand what she's saying, but I heard the word friend. I mean, I heard the word friend. And so I look at her and I go, what's she saying? She wants you to be her friend. I looked at her and I was like, yes, we're friends. Of course, you are my new best friend. And then she asked me to come back for her birthday. And that just punched me in the heart because I wasn't going to be able to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fly all the way back to India. Yeah, her her birthday birthday is August 30th, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, It'd be nice if you yeah you could it would but, but I just got back <laughs> yeah and it's also you know across the world. across the world across so, the ocean yeah hop skip and a jump and I'd yeah. be there um so I felt so sad that I could not be there for her birthday so we sang her happy birthday and her mom videoed it and I work at Red Robin so I ended up soloing like the Red Robin happy, <laughs> the birthday, Red Robin happy birthday jingle it was great everyone laughed at me it was fine and like she was laughing so hard she was like crying she was like hunched over. Mm-hmm. Just cat was amazing. Mom videoed that too. And we just all sat around and talking and laughing. And it was amazing because we left. And I looked at my friend Cheyenne and I go, we just, we just found purpose. Like I was sick and bitter yesterday and I wanted to go home. And today I do not want to leave. Like if I could go and hang out with Percy every day, I would. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at her and literally that's what I said. I said, I just found my purpose. Like this whole trip, I've been trying to find it and I just did. Like people with mental disorders in India are trash. Like they are as good as the garbage on the ground. They can't contribute to society, so society rejects them. Mm -hmm. And it just breaks my heart because she's this beautiful soul and she just loves people and she just smiles. And we walked inside and she just gave us all these big hugs. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, and if she went outside by herself, she'd probably end up dead. Mm. and that just like really broke my heart Mm. like this beautiful girl can't even go outside because the people will reject her and so I was just like I mean that's something that really touched my soul Mm. hard and then right after we went from Percy's house we went to the boys mercy home so I have not seen the boys yet because they came while I was sick in mm. bed. Mm-hmm. So I haven't even seen them yet. And I just kind of get along better with boys and girls. And so like the fact they're going to the boys mercy home made me so excited. So we're going to this boys mercy home and it was the biggest dance party ever. I mean, they didn't have like the girls was beautiful. I mean, they had these beautiful dances like ready and prepared. Mm-hmm. The boys was literally just jump up and down and do whatever you want. There was <laughs> no crazy. there was no prepared dance and I was I'm all about that. I don't need yeah. that prepared stuff. <laughs> Let's just jump up wing and down. It. Yeah, wing it. Let's just jump up and down yeah. and get really hot and sweaty right now and dance. So that's what we did. And I fell in love with the cutest five-year-old boy on the entire planet. And if I could bring him to America tomorrow and be his mom that would happen like that would would happen i would adopt him yesterday if i could um so we're sitting there and i wish i could show everyone a picture of him because he's so amazing his name is alicia so we were only at the boys mercy home for like an hour it was not very long Mm. and they told us you are not allowed to hug the boys i said don't hug the boys and i was like fine 
So, because <laughs> boys and girls, physical, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's frowned upon. You're not yeah. supposed to do that. I was like, fine. So, uh, we ended up leaving, like, putting hearts, like, making the heart with your hands and then, like, going to the forehead to forehead. That's how we ended up leaving it. Mm. It was really sweet and all, but I wanted to give him a hug so badly. And for anyone who doesn't know, like, we're partnered with Mid-India here at Cross City, so you can sponsor a child. So every month you'd pay and you can send them letters and gifts and things in the mail. And so I decided to sponsor him. Mm. So I'm now his official sponsor through Mid-India and it makes me so happy. I can send him gifts all the time now. Um, anyway, so we leave, we leave and we get back to the Mercy Home. The next day is our last day there. And we're sitting at the table and I, it was dinner time on Thursday night. And I was really upset, like... I finally found my purpose and we're going home. Like, what is this? Can Mm -hmm. we stay an extra week? How crazy is that difference in perspective? Yeah. Um, Just from a couple of days before or a day before. I was all bitter and angry. Just bitter. (laughs) Why am I here? And then the next day you're like, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. This is that God is crazy. Mm. The way that he works like that. I mean, just changing my perspective. I learned so much just from that alone. So it's Thursday night. We're sitting at dinner. I'm talking to this amazing woman named Debbie. She speaks Hindu. She speaks English. She's 22. She was just hanging out with our group for the whole time we were there. I looked at her and I'm like, Debbie, I'm really sad because I did not get to give Alicia a hug. Like, this is ridiculous. She goes, you could have hugged him. I've never felt my heart break before, but it shattered. I don't know what happened. I started crying at the dinner table because she told me I could have hugged him. And you just wanted to give him a hug. And I just wanted to give him a hug. And I wasn't going to see him again because we left the next morning. And so I was so upset. And then my friend Ashley, she started crying because she didn't get to give her sponsored boy a hug either. (laughs) So now we're sitting here crying. And this lady Debbie's looking at us like, y'all are crazy. Um, And then she goes, well, I think that they're going to be here before you leave tomorrow. And I was like, oh. There's hope. So I run over to ask Linda and Sheila, who's in charge Mm -hmm. of the Mercy Homes, are the boys going to be here in the morning? And they're like, no, they have school at 730. And Mm. I cried harder. I started bawling my eyes out, turned around, looked at the girls at the table. They're not coming. And so then I sit back down, put my back to everyone, trying to pull myself together. And me crying was the best thing for everybody because Sheila organized for all the sponsored, the newly sponsored boys to come 30 minutes before school just so we could say bye to them. So the next, yeah. So, so the next day, the next day, you get to see Leisha, I get to see Leisha, yeah. and I gave him. A and you hug. gave him a hug. I gave him a hug, and I finally felt content with leaving. Wow! <laughs> I was like, "This, I can't leave until it happens." I was about to walk myself to the Mercy Home. I bet I could find it, um, and just, just give a, him a hug. <laughs> just to find him, give him a hug. <laughs> wow. So we now we have to leave, and we're all heartbroken that we have to say goodbye to them. But I mean. God just worked. It's crazy how he can take me from being so angry and emotional to never wanting to leave and wanting mm. to bring this boy home with me, And if, even though I can't. But, I mean, just through this trip, like being home, I'm noticing a huge difference in perspective. Mm. Like, where is my perspective right now? If I get angry, okay, why am I angry? Do I need to be angry? Mm. No. I mean, just my perspective alone, I think, is what healed me. I mean, mm. just not being angry and being like, no, I need to eat. 
even though my body doesn't want me to eat, I need to eat so I can get better. And I was 100% better the next day. Mm. Like God just showed me how perspective changes everything. And love is huge there. I mean, people just love each other, even though people hate each other too, like different caste mm-hmm. system or whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But in, within the mercy home, I mean, the love that you feel emitting off of the girls and the boys there is unreal wow so like coming home i have this like appreciation for people more and the fact that i fell in love with a five-year-old kid in 30 minutes and like have an extreme amount of love for him and then thinking how much god loves him and the fact that god has that kind of love for every human on Mm. the whole planet i blows my mind so now i'm home and i'm trying i just i can feel myself just loving people more and wanting to be around people more, which mm. is crazy because I'm super introvert. I would rather not be around people. But like now I just, I don't know. It's this new so that joy. Trip, yeah, that trip kind of changed your perspective on, yeah. on people, not just people in another country, but your people, in people general. here. Like God wants me to love people. Mm. He wants me to love all people, even the people I can't stand. Like mm. I even find myself like wanting to befriend this girl that I hate. <laughs> I talked to her at work the other day. It was crazy. Hey, that's a good first I step. I complimented right there. her phone case. It wow, was making big making strides. <laughs> who knows? Maybe you'll be best friends. Who Who knows? That's gonna be a challenge. <laughs> I love her. Wow. So if you could do it all again, if you could do the whole India trip again, would you do it? One hundred percent. Even knowing you'd be sick for three, three days. One hundred percent. 100% because I don't know. I just have this new perspective on what it is to be in relationship with people. Mm. I mean, that's what if someone's going to ask you and they want you to answer real quick, what is it to be a Christian? I will literally say it's relationships. That's mm. going to be my one and final answer to anyone ever. I'm not going to say it's going to church on Sunday. I'm not going to say it's being in community with your church because mm. not everyone is into that. I'm going to say it's relationships and mm. it's just loving people no matter what they're doing or who they are, what they believe. It's just being in relationship with people and making them feel appreciated. And then, you know, because that's all God is. I mean, number one thing to do in the Bible is to love people. Mm. That's what he says. Love others. That's it. As much as I love you, as much as I love them, we need to love them too. Mm -hmm. So just by being in relationship with people and loving people, they're going to see God. I mean, they're going to see God. Yeah. Whether we tell them about him or not, they're going to see it. And then they're going to be like, why are you so nice? And then I'm going to be like, because Jesus. (laughs) 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 That's why. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so that's a good word. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming and sharing your, your story. And thank you for talking about uh, India and that mission trip and how it's just kind of changed your perspective on life and just seeing what God is doing mm-hmm. um, since you've just kind of given him the all in, seeing how he's um, even taken some of the worst situations and have, and have turned them around and, and have changed your perspective on them or like yeah. change the way you think or see life. I mean, it's, um, it's amazing. And just um, keep doing that. <laughs> and if I can challenge the listeners of this podcast to one thing, it's to, to, to take that perspective and run with it, the love God and love others and, and, and the, the important of the importance of relationship mm-hmm. um, is just huge, especially as, 
as Christians. Um, and so just thank you again, Sierra, for being on the podcast. Um, we sincerely appreciate it. And um, with that, guys, we're signing off and we'll catch you next time. Okay.